Welcome to Talmud Tidbits. It's an honor to have you here. I'm your host, Ray Yosef Tropper, and my goal is to share inspiring, uplifting, and beautiful ideas as we go through Shas together, Ezra Hashem, and become more proficient in the beauty and the wisdom of Chazal that will greatly enhance our Vodas Hashem and our lives. Welcome to Talmud Bavli. It's an amazing thing to stand here, having Ezra Hashem recently completed the Dafyomi cycle, and now moving on to Brachas. One of the greatest things we always have, Sofo Noes Bithilaso, the end gets brought back into the beginning. Number one, it's because Torah is infinite. And so even when you complete something, the first thing you do is go right back to the beginning because now you have a deeper understanding of it. And we see this in Tosfos, we see this in the Gemara. There are just so many Gemaras where literally uh, we don't even know wh- wh- where is the Gemara even coming from. Even even the first Gemara in Bachas starts off, Tana Hechakai. Wait, where are you coming from that you said Me'emasai? You're asking a question, when do you read Shema? But wait, when did we ever get a Chiyav of Shema? And um, the Gemara says, oh, it's a Pasuk. It's coming off of the Torah. So there's just so many assumptions of what you know and uh, what, what we're coming with, there's no end to, to the depth of Torah, of how it compounds. It's poor in one place, but rich in other places, and we fill them in the more we learn. So that's one aspect. But the other aspect is the longing, the longing to always learn more and to know more. And we, uh, the idea of learning Torah and learning more, and Torah never ends. We always want to show that we're interested in learning more. What do we do on Simchas Torah when we complete the Torah? We get to Lene Kol Yisrael, the last words of the Torah, and bam, the next thing we're learning is Barashas Barlokim. We're starting again. And so it's an exciting thing, whether this is your first time or multiple times around, we're going to learn some thoughts on the Dafyomi as we go through and make a Kenyan on Shas Ezra Hashem. It's an exciting project. So what I want to share is a couple of different thoughts on the Daf, just to all different ideas, three main categories. One of them is pshat. Sometimes the Gemara is hard to understand. I want to share some of that. Um, the main part is going to be um, drush and musr. So different ideas, and it doesn't mean rebuke, but ways to live, hashkafa, and ideas that we can learn from the Gemara itself. And then other times, just interesting, ha'aras, sometimes answers to questions, sometimes questions, thought-provoking ideas to help us have a better understanding of life. All right, so we start off with the mitzvah of Kriyashma at night, like the Pasuk says, when you lie down, when you get up. And there's so much to learn here. But it says, when do you start? When when does this obligation start at night? When the Kohen goes to eat their truma. So why does it say truma son, their truma? Why is it possessive? And I believe that this is a fundamental as we start the first Mishnah, we start learning Torah Shabal Peh. The first Mishnah teaches us that it has to be yours. That just like we learn the Gemara in Avodazar, Dafyutes says, What should a person learn? Mashalibo Chafetz. And the Torah, so Yom Valayla, has to be your Torah because then you enjoy it and you make a Kenyan in it. So too, when we say Shema, it has to be Shema Yisrael Hashem Keno Hashem Achad. We have to make Hashem our God. Rebbeinu Shalom, you're my God. And we have to make that kinyan on Hashem. And that's just like when they eat their truma. There's physical pleasure. And there's a mitzvah. And it's possessive. They're running to go to the mikvah as fast as possible so that they could at so they could quickly get to eat their truma 
That's the time that we're Makabal Omach Shemayim, the earliest possible time. And we find this entire page that there's a big discussion about people davening Marv early. So Rashi says that people would go home, and it's based on Yerushalmi, they would fall asleep, based on the Gemara later as well, a little bit. They would fall asleep and they would end up not saying Shema. So therefore, they say it early in, in Shul, when everybody's there for Mincha, now they, they quickly daven Marv as early as possible. But there's, there's a Jewish longing. There's a longing to say Shema and to be Makabal Omach Shemayim as fast as possible. Not only that, but Lahagi Babag Chazdecha. The, the daytime represents clarity, and the nighttime is light, is darkness and distance from Hashem, like the Gemara in Baba Metziah says, and that the Gemara itself compares the world, and Gullus is darkness, and the Gemara learning itself could be darkness, but the Rebbe Shalom gives you Hashem early, Hashem brings you a light. But the... Um, the darkness of Gullus threatens to distract us and not let us see Hashem. And so, what do we do? When do we start saying Shema? When we say, Rebbe Shalom, I see you, even in the darkness. That's as soon as the Kohanim are showing their excitement for Avodah Hashem, that's where Shema begins, where we have our excitement for the Rebbe Shalom. We say, Rebbe Shalom, we're excited about you. That's how we stay faithful to the Rebbe Shalom in the darkness. And there is nothing more important than starting off in Masefta this way, which could be hinted to by the Gemara itself that says that we're following Briyasa Shalom, that the Rebbe Shalom created in the in the nature of the whole world, by Vahivoker, that the darkness comes, and our job is to find the light of that darkness and to see the Rebbe Shalom, and to know that that darkness comes first, the night in Jewish law comes first, which is the night is the Gullus and Olam Hazah, but then the ultimate Olam Haba, that's Safran Tzadikim, it's hidden now, but we're looking forward to it. That is the future, that is the light that we're looking forward to, which, by being Mikabal Olam HaShemayim in this world, that's what we go to. And, in fact, it's even Marames to the fact that what happens, we talk about the darkness, because that's following the, the Torah. The Torah says, when you lie down. And then, the Gemara says that once we start talking about the light, we continue to talk about the light. We don't want to let go of the light. We want to hold on to it. Okay, we have to discuss more of the brachas that, that are made at, at, at nighttime, so we come back to it as well. But the order is, we start off with the bria, which is darkness. But then we talk about the next thing. There's going to be light. And then we don't want to stop. We, we just want to continue talking about the brachas. And the bracha, bracha means brecha, how the Rebbe Shalom will pour forth this greatness upon us. And these are just some ideas that come to mind as we embark on Masechah's brachas. And of course, the Chachamim tell us the reason Mike Dimit do things as fast as possible because they want to keep us away from Avera and they want to teach us that the way to do a mitzvah is to always run to do the mitzvah as fast as possible. There's an interesting Me'iri, which uh, many of the uh, late uh, Rishonim did not have access to him, including the Beis Yosef, didn't have very large access to the Me'iri. Uh, it was only printed more recently. And um, what he says is the following question. The Gemara says that um, in order to keep you away from an Avera, in order to make sure that you uh, say Shema, the Chachamim were Masakin, to do it as early as possible. Uh, really, you have Tilchatzos. Everyone really agrees, but we paskin that you should do it as soon as possible. And Regamlil himself said that, that you have the whole day to say it. But the Chachamim made it, said do it early so that you don't come to make a mistake and not say it. And the Chachamim also, um, according to some Rishonim, perhaps um, told us to do other things early, like um, burning of the fi- f- the fats and the limbs. So the Me'iri asks that if this is true, the Chachamim 
made us do things early, then why don't we find this concept by Spheris Omer? He has a couple other questions, but I just want to talk about this one. He says, by Spheris Omer, uh, why don't we find that the Chacham told us to count as early as possible? Now, to me, this isn't a question, really, because the truth is that, first of all, one assumption he's making is that Spheris Omer is Doraisa, and this is already a huge machlokas, exactly what is Doraisa, what isn't Doraisa. Okay, but making the bracha on it, is it Doraisa or is it not? And that's a fascinating concept in itself. Um, so, we know that Sphira Bismarha Zeh is Machlokas, um, when the base manager is not here. But certainly, uh, exactly what the Doraisa part is, we know that the Torah says you're supposed to count. But the Meiri says that, that Sphira, uh, one must um, count. So, why didn't the Chacham tell us to do it early? So, first of all, I don't understand the question at all, because the truth is that Chazal always tell us, which the Torah tells us this, that uh, you don't want to let the, uh, the uh, So the truth is that they already made that Gezerah. So why should they say it explicitly? And also, in and, and, and some of the Rishonim answers this as well, that when it comes to Shema, there's almost a, it's a, your your chayv, whatever that means, the Gemara says later that uh, whatever that means, but it's a very strict thing, so in those cases where certain um, fats and limbs and other things where there's karis, that's why chazal were gozer, because there's a lot at stake so that's the simplest answer, but the Meiri says a very fascinating thing, he says the reason that chazal weren't gozer anything by Sefirah Omer, in his opinion, is because if you do forget to count Sefirah doesn't matter, you could still count the next day and you didn't lose the bracha. That's the Meiri Shita. We don't pask in this way. You should not follow it. La lacha. But the Meiri says if you didn't count at night, you could count with a bracha during the day. We pask in that you could count with it without a bracha during the day, and then that night you could count it. You could get back on track, and that's the halacha. But that's what the Meiri says. So it's interesting that the Meiri took it all the way that far. But it's it's just fascinating when you learn through the Rishonim and you learn different opinions. That's a das yachid. When it comes to Sphira so Omer making a bracha during the day, normally you do not. You would make it up as fast as possible. But that is the Me'iri's pshat. But again, we see that there's an idea of Zerizim like Dibu Lamitzvahs. The Gemara and Daf, Brachas Daf Gimel and Aleph says that there are three Mishmaras at night. And the first one, the uh, donkey brays. The second one, the dog barks or cries. And the third one, the child nurses from the mother. And the uh, the wives, uh, or the, the woman, speaks with her husband. So, uh, the Gemara says that, what are these simanim for? What are these signs for? The Gemara says that if a man is, is in a um, quiet home, and he hears a woman speaking with her husband in the morning, so he, so he knows that, sh- that the time for Shema is, is approaching, and she's feeding her child as well. So, it's interesting that the morning time, we know that when we daven, we daven at times when we're trying to bring down Hashpa from Hashem. In the morning, we start off our day, and we say, Rebbe Shalom, please take care of us, help us. And so there's a Hashpa that's coming down. And in the afternoon as well, the day is changing, the day is setting, we're being yonik from the Rebbe Shalom. And at nighttime, we thank the Rebbe Shalom for a successful day, and we get ready for bed. And so these, this idea that a child is nursing from its mother is a is the biggest sense of nurturance. And the woman is talking to her husband. There's a beautiful connection there. And specifically, it doesn't say Isha Ubal Masapram, they speak. It says Isha Masaparis Imbala. So I always read the Gemara and laugh because, you know, she's up with a baby nursing and he's still half asleep. 
So it's a one-sided conversation. The woman is talking with her husband, but who knows if he's listening. But really, there's something even deeper there, that really the truth is that he's listening to her, and he's hearing what she, what she needs. And so too, the Rebona Shalom is the, is the husband, so to speak, and he's also listening. And in our largest Tefillah of the day, Shachris, there's a tremendous amount of listening going on. And we could learn all these connections are supposed to carry us throughout the whole day. And... Um, the Ha'ara, the Ben Yoda, asked this question also, but the Gemara says that in the, when it describes it, it's, it talks about the baby nursing and then the woman speaking with her husband, but then when it says when, the man, when a man is in a dark house, he doesn't know what, what time it is, um, and he, sees that the, he hears that the woman is talking with her husband and the baby is nursing, then he should say Shema. So why does it reverse it? So a simple answer is that uh, the baby nursing doesn't make any noise, but the woman talking, that is something that he will hear. And so that's what it's saying. It's saying that he doesn't know that the woman is up nursing the child, but he hears that she's speaking, and he could assume that the baby is nursing as well. But the point, the Gemara says a very fascinating thing as well, that the Gemara compares a woman's nursing to Vitora, that that anytime, just like a woman has an unlimited supply, so to speak, of, of nurturance to give to her child, whatever the baby's appetite is, that's how a normal, healthy woman produces that amount of milk, of course, with much great effort. But so to the Torah, any time a person latches onto it, he finds new flavors, like Moran Irvin says. He finds flavors and nurturance. And so this is a great day, way to start a day that a husband and wife are connecting and the baby is being nurtured by a loving mother who has unlimited supplies to give. And so too, we should learn a lesson, the Rebona Shalom and his Torah, the Rebona Shalom's kindness and the Rebona Shalom's kindness towards us in, in sharing his Chachma with us is there in an unlimited way that we could really, really connect with. There's a fascinating uh, tosis that, t- that talks about uh, he doesn't like the Mafsar Vitri. Mafsar Vitri was uh, Rashi's Talmud. He doesn't like his Pshat in Yehei Shemei Rabbah because he reads the words Yehei Shemei, that the word Shemei means Shem Yudhei, that the name of Hashem, of Yudhei, which is cut short because of Amalek, it should be made bigger. And he doesn't read it that way. Tosis says that that's not the correct way of reading it. It means Hashem's name should become great in this world. But the truth is that if you look at it carefully, this idea that Enakise Shalim, Shem Shalim, is what the entire purpose of the world is. Because what's a Malik? A Malik is Rashis Gayim Amalek. They're the ones that try to attack Klayisrael to stomp out the Rebun Shalom's presence in the world. And the whole purpose of Kaddish is to recognize Hashem is running the world. And so this shot, it could be that I'll be Dikduk and I'll be the way the Gemara translates it into Aramaic, like Tosis' whole explanation is, is that Tosis is correct in how he reads it. But this idea that shame yud that Hashem's name is cut short in this world, and our job is to bring it out and to be mani- and to help it manifest, despite Amalek, uh, which Amalek is from the word Malika, the Svarim say, Amalek tries to decapitate us; that he he disconnects our head, what we know, our knowledge, from our uh, body, our goof, our desires, and he makes sure that our body that our body is controlled by itself and not by the brain, which is being mashpi on it. And so that certainly is the idea that we're trying to make the Kisei Shalim and the Shem Shalim by connecting the Yudke with the Vavke, the Koach Maisa and the Koach HaMachshava. So these are some really fascinating ideas as well. The um, Gemara and Gimel Abayas talks about the um, northern wind blowing and uh, the Maral explains that the northern wind is, is Taivas Olam Haza, that uh, there's a healthy amount of that, that it blows with all the winds, that person needs to learn how to combat that and how to take care of it. And David Amalch, he used his desires to wake himself up and to connect to the Rebbe Shalom and to Davin. Uh, going on to Brachas Davdal and Manalf, 
we have a number of very interesting ideas. Uh, one of them is that I want to share with you today. It's a fascinating idea. You could use it for Pesach, but it's just a fascinating lesson. So Moshe gets to the 10th Maka, and Hashem tells him, at Chatzos, when the clock strikes 12, literally at midnight, all the firstborns of Egypt are going to die at that exact split second. So Moshe goes to Paro and says, Ke Chatzos, at around Chatzos. The Gemara has a machogus whether Moshe knew the exact time what, what Chatzos is, only Hashem knows. But why did Moshe change these words? So one explanation the Gemara says is because he knew that the astrologers of Paro were going to uh, make a mistake. They don't know when Chatzos is, and they're going to they're gonna think that it came before it really did, and then they're going to say, see, Moshe, look, the plague didn't happen. You're a liar. So if you take a step back, just for one moment, and you think to yourself, wait a minute. The Egyptians had Mishpat, Mishpat, uh, Mitzrayim, the judgment, the, Gemara, the Mishnah tells us in Harius, was one year. So they're being pummeled with the ten Makos. They got nine Makos, exactly what Moshe said happened, exactly when Moshe said happened, and now Moshe comes and he says, this is the 10th Makkah, and you're going to let the Jews out of Egypt. And all the firstborns of Egypt are going to die. Now, I don't know if Moshe said more than that, meaning that not only firstborns, but even the oldest in the family, whoever's there, and if it's a boy, it's a boy. If it's a girl, it's a girl. And if the woman had multiple spouses, for whatever reason, and all of them were a Bukhar to their fathers, then they're all going to die. Whatever it is, everyone's going to die. Even, even Paro believed him. And yet, these people, when they see that they calculated Chatzos, and it happened one second later. Now, they're willing to write off the entire prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu when they literally watched it, and it was part of their life. And it talks about the Yari Dvar Hashem Avde Paro. And the Bali Musr say that you could be a Yari Dvar Hashem and you could still be an Evita Paro. So look at this, that a person could be so blind, doesn't want to see the Rebbeinu Shalom's hand, doesn't want to admit the Rebbeinu Shalom runs the world, that he could have a Maka that's literally threatening to destroy and literally brought Egypt down to its knees and it left it in shambles, and destroyed it, and took it off the world map, quite frankly. And yet, if they could say, ha, you said it was happening at Chatzos, and it happened one second later, they could it. What a phenomenal lesson for us to think about. On Pesach, how we need to connect with the Rebun Shalom. And don't look for those little things that you could get angry at Hashem about, or push off Yiddishkeit about, or throw off your responsibilities, or write off other people because of small things. Look at the big picture. There's a rebellion runs the world. And yeah, it's true that we have challenges and not everything goes the way exactly what we want. But if we open up our eyes, we will see how the rebellion runs the world and we'll be open to it. And, and not like the Avde Paro, who what all they want to do is just catch Moshe. Ah, you see, everyone in Egypt, all the firstborns only drop dead one second later than you said it was going to happen, so you're a liar. My goodness. Learn the lesson. And don't be that stubborn that you refuse to take it. One more thing I want to share is we know that David Amalek, and this, the Gemara talks about that he had a son named Kilav, like his um, Kulo Av, he took after his father. And he was Zochatim because of his integrity, because of his humility, because he was so humble when it came to listening to Mephibosheth, even though Mephibosheth was his Talmud, he would listen to him, and Mephibosheth would tell him that you were wrong, you made a mistake, and David would accept this when he when he saw that he was wrong, and he would correct his din that he, that he gave. So, um, it, it's interesting that Mephibosheth, I'm sorry, that Daniel, this son, or Kilov, he had two names, he came from Avigal. Avigal was, David, David had a sister named Avigal, which is also interesting, but this was his, this was um, Avigal, his wife. His wife, Avigal, was, she had originally been married to Novel. Novel refused to give David and his men any food. Avigal tried to save her husband, and ultimately, during, which Chazal say it was during that Sarasimei Tshuva, he died, and uh, within 10 days got sick, died, and then David and Malch married her. And 
throughout the Torah, she's uh, throughout the Tanakh, she's called Abigail Ishes Novel. It always says the wife or ex-wife or uh, widowed wife of Novel. And there's different mafarshim that discuss why that is. Some of them say it's a Ganai, Some of them say it's a Shavach, um, because David uh, tried picking her up while he was uh, married, while she was married. But um, the bottom line is that I've always understood it to be saying a very important thing. Um, which is that it's specifically through Abigail, this righteous woman and this intelligent woman and this humble woman who was willing to admit that something was wrong and she was willing to, she was humble and righteous enough to put David in this place and tell him not to sin, not to do anything wrong, like the Gemara says in Megillah. And from this union specifically came Kilav, this humble child, this Daniel, that the Rebbe Shalom was able to take a look at David's humility and the humility and wisdom of Abigail, and that's where this child came from, this union. One more ha'ara, which I wanted to mention earlier as well, is that when David Amal says, look at the difference between me and the other kings. The other kings lie in bed and enjoy themselves, but I, my hands are dirty. And this is where you see you got to roll up your sleeves and get involved in halacha. And he says, oh, I get, I look at the maros, b'shvil hater, isha labayla, I am spending my day looking at Maros and Paskani Shilas to matter the woman to their husbands. So Aruch HaShulchan brings us down, Lahalacha, that what is the role of a Rav? Just like David Amal says, Lahater Ishalabala, the role of a Rav is to find Heterim. Now, it doesn't mean Krum Heterim and inappropriate ones, but it means that that's a, the role of a Rav is not to look for Chumras. Yes, it's true, a Rav's job is also to inspire and uplift. But this is the source, Brachas Davdalim and Aleph, that the job of a Rav is Lahater Ishalabala, is to find Heterim to make life easier, better, more enjoyable, more peaceful, more Bishalom between husband and wife. And in halacha in general, we don't need any chumras to take on. And, of course, there's areas of halacha where one could be machmir on things, where there's fakas, etc. But when it comes to the general rule of the rav, the rav's perspective is, how could I be mater? How can I find a way to uh, allow this? Because then when a person does put their foot down and say something is aser, then that should be respected and understood. And one knows that this is really what we're doing. And this is, we're doing the right thing here. And that's why the Gemara says that the power of a person, their greatness, their prowess, so to speak, in halacha, is their ability to matter things, which we find by our Moshe Feinstein. That, that was his claim to fame. He was such a bucky in halacha that he didn't have to be machmer and make up his own spagos. He knew that in this case, there's room to be makel, and let's be makel. And in this case, we have to be machmer. So these are some ideas that I am happy to share with you, and I hope that you find them inspirational and thought-provoking. I'm going to share a couple of hours on Duff. So the Gemara talks about a whole list of progression when a person feels like he's going to sin, so he should um, first fight. And like the Grub points out, La'olam yargis, that what's the word La'olam in Imre Noam? He says that it means that there's always a battle throughout life of us fighting the Yitzhar and trying to be the best person we could be. And so you should first start off by battling. That's the first step. If that doesn't, If that works, great. If not, learn Torah. If that works, great. If not, say Kriya Shema. And the famous question is, Shema is also Torah, why is that one better? But the answer is that when you are miyached, there's, there's two, two main answers that a lot of the Mepharshim give. One of them is that, that when, you, when you're miyached, your thoughts on the Shema, on the purpose of life, Shema Yisrael, Shema Lekin, Shema Chad, that helps uh, save you on a higher level. And other Pshatim say another beautiful idea, which is that when you get to the word Vyahafta, you should love Hashem. That reminds us how to stay strong and connected to Hashem, that love that 
really helps us get out of all different types of trouble. Of course, Torah, all Torah is supposed to bring to that, but Shema brings that. If that doesn't work, then you should think about Yom Misa, and, and that certainly has an impact. And the Gemara says, that's based on the Pasuk, the Domu Sela, be quiet forever. And like Rashi says, that um, Yom HaMavashu Dumiya Olamis, which is a forever silence. So the question is, sounds a little bit harsh, it's a forever silence, I mean, there's Tchiyas Mesim, it's not a forever silence, what does that mean? But the answer is, that's a forever silence for your Olam HaBechira. In this world, you have an opportunity to be alive, and to control yourself, and to earn Nitzchiyas. Yeah, it's true, of course, you're not going to be quiet forever in the sense that there'll be Tchiyas Mesim and Olam Haba, etc. There's a great future to look forward to, as any Jew called Yisrael Yeshem Chiyak Olam Haba. But it's a Dumil Olamis, it's a eternal silence, because this is your opportunity at Olam Hazeh to create the best world for yourself in the future, and that you'll never have an opportunity for. There's another fascinating remez, which I also found fascinating, which is that um, when a person um, is on his, uh, is, is saying Shema, Kriyashma Lamita, the Domu Sela is, is uh, a hint that he should um, say Shema, and when he says Amapil, he shouldn't talk afterwards, he should be quiet and go to sleep. The Gemara says uh, further on, another idea, which is that Rav Yitzhak says, anyone that says Kriyashma on his bed, it's as if you're holding a sword with Shtei Pios, a double-edged sword. And the Gemara quotes a Pasuk, Shnamar, as it says, Romamos, Kael, Begronam, they have the um, greatness of God in their throats, Vecherev, Pipios, Biadam, and they have a, a sword in their hand. So you see, Pipios means it has two, it's a double-bladed sword. So there's many of Farshim that struggle with what does this double-bladed sword mean. I, I think there's something very interesting here I'd like to share, which is that what what's the what is the greatest defense in life? It's to talk and to think about the Rebbeinu Shalom and the, about Torah and Mitzvos and about integrity, and it's also to do it practically. And so that's what's being said in this exact pasuk. That what's the what is the double-edged sword? It's Romos Kale Begronum that we talk we talk and we teach ourselves to think like a Victor Miller taught us so well. Think like a Ben Torah. Think like a like a Ben Aliyah. That's the first stage in life is to know and to think and to talk that way. But that's not enough. You have to take it in your hand. And that's why the word pipios is on that pasuk. On that word biyadam, it has to be in your hand. You have to practice what you learn. That's the greatest success, um, which is which is what we are what we are trying to accomplish in this world. The Gemara later on says, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish says, anyone that learns Torah, Yisurin leave him. Yisurin bedilin him, and a beautiful thing. And the Nevesh Chaim explains this um, that he says that, uh, based on the uh, other Mamari Chazal, that when a person is Bekabal of Old Torah, then Hashem removes all the other Olos from him. And that's the greatness of Torah. And the Stipler explains in his famous Sefer, Chai Olam, that the Pshad is based on Chazal. Again, that if a person wants to not die, Chazal say, then he should kill himself before he dies. What does that mean? He should, he should break himself in Torah. Because any pain that you have in learning Torah, that toil, that counts as, 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 as pain. It hurts. Sometimes you're trying to figure out something, trying to understand it. That pain is is, is uh, And so that's the pshat. The pshat is that when a person uh, learns Torah, so that is your Yisurin. You get your Yisurin. And Ashri Misha, that is Yisurin, come from Torah itself. What an amazing thing that a person, his Amoba Torah is his greatest suffering in this world, but is his greatest reward as well, because that's what helps him feel uh, get get his punishment in this world. But also, of course, the Torah perfects him. Um, and last thought for him at Aleph, which is that famous Gemara, it says, if a person sees that Yisurin are 
coming upon him, we should look into his actions. And the Gemara says that if he looked and he couldn't find anything, then he should assume that it's Bittel Torah that's causing his punishment. So the famous Kasha says, wait a minute, you just told me that if someone's in pain and bad things are happening to him, then he should look into his actions. So if a person looks in his actions, he either knows, do I have Bittel Torah, do I not have Bittel Torah? If I'm not learning and I have Bittel Torah, then I already figured it out. And if I don't have bit, and if I don't have Bittel Torah, then why should I be Yitlad in Bittel Torah if I know I'm, I'm I don't have Bittel Torah? That's not enough error that I'm doing. So there's many, many mafarshim that explain different things. I want to share three beautiful ideas. The first shot is that um, Rav Ruderman one time explained that the Gemara says that uh, your mavatal Talmud Torah in order to lay the Megillah. So in order to hear the Megillah. So you would think the Gemara is saying that. Okay, you should be mavatal Torah in order to get to the Kriyasa Torah, Kriyasa Megillah, and that, that doesn't pater you. But that's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara is saying that even if there's no Bittal Torah involved with get, going there, you have to be mavatal Torah to listen to the Megillah. But the Kasha is, it's not Bittal Torah to learn Megillah. You're reading it, it's also Torah. So said Ruderman, when a person could learn and, and learn Ian and push himself, then in his bit, then, then it's considered bittel Torah if you're not learning to your highest level. Yeah, it's true. A person has to learn Tanakh. A person has, there's many, many uh, parts of Torah a person has to study. But if a person's being Amal in Torah, and now it's a downgrade for him in his Amelis Torah to just read Psukim in Tanakh, so that is considered bittel Torah. So it's the same thing, that if a person looks into his actions and he can't find something, he should recognize that Yitzel of Bittal Torah, that no, you could be pushing yourself harder. That's the first answer. The second answer is probably the most famous, is from the Nefesh Haim, and I'm going to quote the Talmud before the Rebbe, because I think that the Gra's punchline ties in all these. So the Nefesh Haim explains that the Peshat is that Hashem punishes us mita mita. So if a person has a headache, he thinks, am I using my head properly? If a person has an arm ache, he should think, am I using my arm properly? So if he looked into his action, he tried to figure out a mita connected mita, and says, I still can't figure it out. So then, yitzel bittel Torah. Let me explain why. So, so and, and the, and the Rechaim Velashen says that this is what Rashi means when he says, Pishpesh lo matzah, if you, matzah, if you search, lo matzah avera biyado shebeshvila re'uyin yisurin halalu lavo. I can't explain why do I have this exact pain in my leg or arm or stomach. The answer is Yitzel Bittal Torah, because the Gemara says, if a person has a headache, you should learn Torah. Why? Because Torah involves your head. If he has a stomachache, you should learn that, because Torah involves, you should learn Torah, because that, that'll cure you. If he has anything that hurts, Torah connects to everything, because Torah stimulates and demands the usage of your entire body. On a simple level, it means that you have to fulfill Hashem's will with your entire body. But on a deeper level, just that's what Torah is. Torah fills up your entire existence. So therefore, the Mita Kanegamita is there. If you can't find anything else, then it's Bithel Torah, because then obviously you're, you're, you're not learning properly, and that's what it is. Says the Grah. What's the great, his punchline? The Grah says, a person sees Yisur and are coming upon him, he should Look into his actions. Pish, pish, matzah. If he looked into your actions, he couldn't find anything. So we asked that, wait a minute, he would have found Bittal Torah. No, Yitl of Bittal Torah, it's because you don't learn enough. That's why you can't figure it out. The Torah has all the answers. And if the person is such an Amar, it's, he can't figure out, well, why is Hashem doing this to me? He can't understand what's Hashem trying to teach me. And it's Bittal Torah. Then, then, then by definition, that's what's missing. You're missing all your, your knowledge. You're missing your understanding of what, the, what this world is all about. Ah, what musr, what... What a what a machayev that is that a person has to look into his actions and, and figure out the, the greatest amount of success that he could bring to himself in this world and the next. Uh, finally, one last thought for Daf Hamad Beis. Gemara tells all these stories of people who are suffering from Yisurin, and another friend of theirs, Atana, comes to visit them, Rav Yochanan, 
uh, is sick, and Rav Hanina comes to him in one example and says, uh, do you like these Yisurin? So he says, no thanks, I don't want them or their reward. Give me your hand. He gives him his hand, and he feels better. What does that mean? So Arizal says that when a person holds someone else's hand, he's mashpia upon him, etc. But I'm a mental health therapist, and I, I understand this in a very simple level, and I don't mean to twist the Gemara into this, but I think there's something very deep being said here, and that is that one of the greatest ways of overcoming adversary in life is to understand that there's someone else there with you. And the greatest cure for Yisurin is to know there's other people. There's a famous line of the Maimah HaPisgam. There's a, there's a line from uh, uh, the Mivchar HaPnidim, which is the... Uh, uh, there was a famous Rishon that wrote many sayings. So one of his sayings, which we don't have a Chazal that says it explicitly, but says, Tsaras Rabim Chatsi Nechama, a pain that is shared... Excuse me, a pain that is shared by others. That's half of the... Uh, consolation, that you know that there's other people there. Now, the simple reading of that is that people explain it to mean that if you know other people have this pain, then um, you feel better, which is certainly true when we know other people suffer, and not just us, we feel better, but it's also the fact that you're sharing it with someone else. And so Havli Yadeh, when someone is suffering from Yisurin, when a friend of ours is going through a hard time, give him your hand, give him some human contact, give him some attachment, healthy attachment, and you'll see that you do wonders to help him with that challenge. We should be Zoha not to have Yisurin, we don't want it, we don't ask for it. We should be Zoha to learn Torah and to grow and to become the greatest people as we go through Shas together. Thank you so much for joining and I look forward to continuing our journey together. Don't lose sight. We're just starting, but there's tremendous Chachmas Torah and there's tremendous change and the Torah will change you into, and it will help you become the greatest person you could be. That's what Torah does. It impacts our entire life and our family and everyone around us, and how we live our lives. We should be Zoha to become the greatest people possible.